Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach, and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Hey, Work Positive Nation, uh, communication is one of the essentials of a positive work culture. And how you communicate makes all the difference in the world in terms of what's happening with transforming your work culture to be more positive. Now, you may know in your mind or your heart what it is that you want to say, but getting that into words and actions that communicate well, that transform culture to be more positive, well, that's a whole nother problem. Process. In fact, it's such a process that our guest today wants you to understand the best methodology that you can use in order to do that, to use words and actions to transform your work culture so that you work positive. She has an outstanding, amazing, stellar career. I must say that it's my first time interviewing someone who's had a 45-year career in federal service, 30 years with the United States Air Force, smart people go into the Air Force, right? And then 15 more years with another federal agency. So Work Positive Nation, help me welcome Colonel Carla Bass to the podcast. Welcome, Colonel Bass. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity to share some time with your, uh, your listeners. Wonderful. Now, you've written a book. It's called Right to Influence. Tell us about the methodology that you share in that book. The principle, I'm a visual person, so I'm going to answer your question by a picture. Imagine a white rectangle. Okay. The, the purpose of this white rectangle is to explain that every author, regardless of whether you're writing something that goes to Congress or you're writing a blog, every author is constrained by two things. You're constrained by the reader's time. Knock, knock. I'm busy. What do you want? And you're also constrained by the amount of available space. So the principle behind right to influence is make every second of the reader's time play to your advantage by strategizing the message. And then you hone it and make every single word carry the message. So if you overlay that white rectangular box with one word in big black letters, the word is opportunity. Mm. So time and space equals opportunity to persuade the reader that what you're conveying is is correct and that they're going to say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and you've had an amazing career of writing of, of those opportunities used quite well to influence others. And you've done it in amazing ways that have created positive work cultures for so many people. One of the specific things that we're interested in is how to write for influence in order to attract top talent onto our teams at work. What are some ways that you've seen that done? 
That's actually one of the many reasons I've, I've got a, a list of, of why it is that powerful writing is so integral to, to successful business and successful organizations. Fundamental to all of this is know your audience. So if you're trying to attract the most competitive talent, know the audience, know what it is that those individuals are interested in. Are they motivated by only a paycheck? Are they motivated by the opportunity to lead people? Are they motivated by fresh new uh, material with which they're not familiar? Are Are they motivated by by the opportunity to be a project manager or leading a team, you know, to put their own mark on something. So you have to know what it is those people are interested in. And then you write your job announcements highlighting those particular areas. So it all comes back to knowing what they want. And how do I discover what they want? Well, empathy, you know, put yourself in their shoes. If if you were a bright, young, say, 25-year-old, you know people nowadays. What is it that they're interested in? Many are not interested, uh, for example, in, in joining one organization and working up the hierarchy like you and I did. Mm-hmm. So you have to know what it is that they're looking for. Mm. And so we've got to know our audience and write to influence our audience. So in attracting top talent, it sounds like, uh, Carla, I need to recognize that everybody's like me and I need to really dig in and get to know in order to attract. And of course, every positive work culture has some core values that are really form the basis of that attraction factor. So uh, how do we best communicate those core values to these persons whom we're seeking to attract onto our teams? just by well, staff meetings, by websites, by uh, Zoom sessions in lieu of in-person meetings, by, uh, in the military, would have called a commander statements, you know, your letter of intent that explains to all of these individuals where it is you're trying to take the, uh, the organization. Weekly meetings with them, you know, whether it's Zoom or in person, the, the more opportunities you have to share where it is you're trying to take them and to listen to their feedback or do they agree do they have other ideas be open be receptive to their ideas ask me about the plus three minus three survey in a second Uh, be be receptive to their ideas so Mm -hmm. you know communication can be it can be digital it can be in person it can be virtual but the more the better Right. So basically, we just use whatever means at our disposal of communicating and sharing yep. those core values with them in yep. all ways. Now, the plus three minus three. When I was a squadron commander, lieutenant colonel going into Hawaii, there is a method that that I it was not inflicted. I experienced it. So this is not my idea, but it was a brilliant idea. So that's why I say I didn't invent it. I, I experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing I did when I went into that 480 person unit is I asked everybody buddy on a piece of paper, on a paper towel, on a napkin. I didn't care how, but to tell me their opinion, what were the three strengths and the three weaknesses of this organization? Hmm. And they could sign it. They could not sign it. I didn't care. So I, I got, oh my golly, I got a lot of input in it. Um, and what, what I learned is that the, the morale in that unit was abysmal. 
it was horrible. The thing, this is in Hawaii. So the things they liked about the unit were the beaches, the golf courses and the luau's. Okay. So nobody, <laughs> nobody liked the unit. So I compiled, I compiled a list based on the number of times an item was mentioned. And I, I turned that back to the unit. I said, this is what you told me about our unit. And so based on your feedback, these are the, the, the problems that I'm going to tackle in partnership with you. One, two, three, four, five. In a year, we had that unit completely turned around. We wow. had developed so many new initiatives as, as a new to the Air Force. Mm. And so we publicized those. Marketing your success is another important factor as far as trying to, um, to A, attract people and B, retain them. If you, if you have an organization that's got the positive momentum that people are sitting up and taking notice. I mean, that that's like, it, you know, it, it attracts people anyway. So we, we publicized all of those, uh, those initiatives and, uh, and all of a sudden the 324th intelligence squadron was a force to be reckoned with and, and people respected us. And what was beautiful is the people then respected themselves and that unit mm. just blossomed, but it all came back to that plus three minus three survey one Two, listening to the people. Three, responding to them, and then and then you've got the give and take feedback throughout. Yeah, wow. When we when we ask them, Carla, and fail to act on what we hear, mm -hmm. that's a huge withdrawal from the trust bank, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm intrigued that they were initially, when morale was in the crapper, they were mm -hmm. initially commenting on the lovely things about the environment around them. So what were some of the top things after a year when you were forced to be reckoned with? What were some of the top three things they were mentioning then? Well, I only did the survey once. And okay, just, just that one time, because okay. you know, once I diagnosed the multitude of problems and we started fixing them, then, you know, then the thing starts blossoming. But uh, we, we developed a family support program. I developed professional training for the youngest, most enlisted. Uh, the Air Force didn't even have a program for that. And wow. uh, in order to do that, I delegated that to my senior enlisted troops. I said, this is what I want to do. You are are the experts. So I'm going hand off. I'm trusting you to develop this three-day program for our youngest ones. And, and so, you know, people rise to the occasion when they're trusted with additional responsibility. When you go hands off, you don't micromanage them. So all of these are forces that go into creating that positive work environment. I also spent, I mean, multitudes of midnight shifts. I would go hang out with the guys on the midnight shifts and, mm. and just talk guys, guys and gals, and just talk to them. And so when they see the lieutenant colonel who has a full-time day job spending night with them on the floor, sitting next to the racks, you know, that goes a long way for establishing credibility and camaraderie. And hey, she, she's one of us and she listens. Mm. So you went the extra mile or two. If I'm doing a midnight shift, it's at least an extra two miles, right? Oh, yeah. uh, to get to know your people and to form meaningful relationships with them. And that was not just an attraction factor uh, because we know that we want our teams to bring their friends to work in our positive work culture. But that was also huge retention. So I would imagine that your turnover rate went, became very, very low the more you invested in the relationships with your people. That is correct, and that applies in a civilian world. The retention rate doesn't apply so much in the military world, but it's the same concept. So, you know, 
if you're wanting to know how you keep them, once you get these talented people, mm-hmm. how do you keep them? The answer is, is you support them. You, you write them up for the awards and the decorations. Uh, you send the thank you notes, um, whatever other organizational or professional accolades you can provide them. But in order to do that effectively, you have to know how to write. Mm. And that's where my whole journey started. When I got to that unit, uh, the 324th was the most losing unit in the entire state for professionally and annual. We always lost. And the tragedy was we were always losing because the bosses, while they would submit nomination packages for all these talented people, the bosses couldn't write their way out of a paper bag. <laughs> so seriously, so you could yeah. be you could be the best tech sergeant that God ever invented. But if your boss can't tell your story, you lose. And so. I recognized that, and that that was the genesis of right to influence. So I developed I developed my word sculpting tools, and I turned those into a one hour class. I taught my guys how to write, and we started winning all the awards. So the other unit said, "Can you teach us too?" And the answer is, "Of course, yes." I thought, "Well, there goes my competitive edge," but it's the right thing to do. <laughs> Gave away all but, the secrets then, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. But you know, I, I went on to teach that the word sculpting for the next 15 years, wherever my Air Force assignments took me, word sculpting came along with it. And then when I retired, you know, I I learned that powerful writing changes lives. That was my lesson from the 324th. Mm. So whether it's whether it's uh, the resumes or the strength of performance reviews or or what uh, trying to compete for uh, an academic scholarship, if you tell your story powerfully, it opens doors. And so that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I do what I do now. Wow. Powerful words change lives. Tell us more about these word sculpting tools. Sure. So there are 10 word sculpting tools and and I I write these things. Well, word sculpting, let me explain the concept of word sculpting. So if you can imagine a a sculptor in a sun-drenched studio in Paris with a little beret and a hammer and chisel, he's looking at a six-foot chunk of granite. Because he's a master sculptor, he knows what's in that granite. So chisel, 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 there goes a rubble, there's your picture, uh, your statue. Word sculpting, the same thing. You've got your draft now. I call it a gut dump. You've done your gut dump and you've got five pages of stuff. You apply the 10 word sculpting tools sentence by sentence and you chisel out the useless words, the redundancies, the bureaucratic blather. And you go from from five pages of stuff to two and a half pages of hard hitting text. Those are word sculpting tools. Now, I've got a couple to, to share with you. Okay, so verbs, are, that's my favorite one to, to explain. Uh-huh. So if you can imagine a hard-boiled egg, okay. and now make the hard-boiled egg six foot tall, big <laughs> hard-boiled egg, uh-huh. focus, focus on the yolk. The uh-huh. yolk is the verb. The white stuff called the albumum is, is what we suffocate verbs in nowadays. Mm. So example, Create cost savings. That's the whole egg. Save money is Mm. the yolk. Have a discussion is the whole egg. Discuss is the yolk. Provide an answer. Answer. Make certain and sure. Uh, Reduce the amount of time. Expedite. 
Mm. And uh, sign up, register, resulted in the prevention of is prevented. Mm. So that's just the verbs. The verbs are your friends. So sentence by sentence, look at the verbs that you've written and see if you can condense them. A second word sculpting tool, I call it hog space. Don't use words that hog space. (laughs) So there are three types of those. One is lengthy words. Numerous equals many. If If you're into where every space counts, if you're space constrained, Many words going down to one is, is a fun way to explain. At the present time is now. Now. <laughs> yeah. In a rapid manner, rapidly. Mm-hmm. In the near future, soon. Mm-hmm. On a monthly basis, monthly. You never have to say on a blank basis. And this one I love. Undergoing organizational transformational change <laughs> equals reorganizing. Yeah. So those are words that hog space. Gibberish is another one of my tools. There are several flavors of that, but the one that's that's most onerous and it's it's ubiquitous in business writing now is noun on top of noun on top of noun on top of noun. Here's an Mm. example. The information security management plan development update. (laughs) <laughs> you so, go to sleep before you get to the well, end of that exactly. one exactly right? so, so with this noun on noun you have to unravel it so this would be the the update on the plan to manage information security but so don't do now 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 it's it's painful it's like walking through knee deep mud but those uh <laughs> I'll give you one more one more is redundancy the example is this paper could be a potential submission. Where's the redundancy? You got the redundancy? Yeah, could be. Potential. Potential. (laughs) And and we will attend the upcoming meeting next week. (laughs) We will attend next week's meeting, right? (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, it's okay to get the stuff down on paper, but people make the mistake of, one, not revising it they just turn it in and and b if you don't know what to look for you're not going to be able to tighten up the message so those are just a couple of the word sculpting tools oh i love it colonel carla bass is my guest here on this episode of the work positive podcast right to influence.net is the website so go ahead and flip over there while you're listening to this great podcast and you're picking up some writing tools because regardless of how much you understand what you think you want to say about creating a positive work culture, your ability to communicate it clearly, concisely, and in ways that uh, ring the bell of your audience is is part and parcel. So what I hear you saying, Carla, is these word sculpting tools, really, you want to pair up your noun and your verb as closely together as possible. Now, and, and can we talk a second about the difference between passive and active verbs? Because uh, yep. that's just one of my pet peeves, I'll be honest with you. Exactly. That's the second of the three types of words that hog space is is passive. Just explain who does what to whom. Passive voice, one, it gobbles up space. Two, it blurs the message. Three, people use it if they are purposely trying to obfuscate what what the situation is. Okay, so passive voice, avoid it. If at all possible, I mean, there's some certain instances where you have no choice, but people default to it hmm. um, unnecessarily. Oh, yeah. Just just go ahead and pair up that noun and verb, make it an active verb. You know, let's do it. 
you know, do it. Yep. <laughs> right. So talk about adverbs. Uh, that's got to be one of the hog spacers. Uh, or it's something. not. It's not. And I don't care what Stephen King says about adverbs. Okay. <laughs> I love the adverbs. Good for you. I do. The, um, go read uh, Dean Kuntz or Daniel Silva. Okay. They are brilliant writers in the world of fiction. They use adverbs that just, they're wonderful. Mm. So, no, I'm a proponent of adverbs. Okay. But I'm sure it's the best adverb how do i go about choosing really good adverbs to make my communication work in such a way that my my readers and listeners understand it kind of depends on what you're trying to say i mean there's not an easy answer to that question it's just i don't adhere to the fact that adverbs are bad because that's not true If, Uh if they will help you convey succinctly what you're trying to say well here on a random basis okay randomly that's an adverb Mm. On a daily basis, daily adverb. An adverb. Okay. Yes, in, indeed, indeed. So what are some of the challenges that you experienced as a leader or you see other leaders in trying to create uh, that culture that you did in taking a low morale organization up into a high morale organization? What are some of the challenges you see in their communication? A lot of people are are hesitant to get to know the folks in the organization mm. that and that comes back to know your audience if you want to look at it this way the people in your organization whether you are a branch chief with 20 people or a team lead with four they mm. are your audience mm. so in order to effectively lead them you have to know them and that gets back to the various means of communication soliciting their response making sure they understand what you're trying to get and have the courage if they tell you boss you're going down the wrong Ray, or this isn't going to work, have the courage to revisit your original intended action and change it if necessary. That does take courage. Something else is, is you have to have the courage to be able to take bad news. If they say, boss, I got a problem, then, you know, just, okay, fine. What is it? And, and we will collaboratively fix it. Mm. Mm, collaboratively being the key word there. Being an adverb, too. Yeah, exactly. And a well-placed one. Yep, 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 yep. Exactly. Well, uh, tell us about the story when you dressed up as a leprechaun and overcame some challenges. Oh, sure. So my mom, my father was retired Air Force. He was in for 30 years also. My mother was military wife. I learned to throw parties to socialize up the chin and down the chain so i for 30 years i would throw parties and i would invite the subordinates several levels down my peers and then i would reach up to the colonels and the generals above me so i would get all these wonderful people together so we threw a saint patrick's day party in hawaii the 324th everyone had to bring a limerick that was you had to bring a limerick and be prepared to recite it that was the entrance fee uh, uh-huh. and you could or could not come in uniform so they came it was wonderful I had 150 people at that and you know for talking about morale and building unit cohesiveness but the younger troops being able to come to the lieutenant to the commander's house that was a big deal i honestly didn't understand it 
at first, how big a deal that was for them. So this is another leadership tip. People truly appreciate when a big boss sits down and just talks to them. Anyway, so when the party was over, still in my leprechaun uniform, I took the leftover corned beef, mashed potatoes, and blah, 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 blah. Oh. And I went up to the, uh, the intelligence unit that was underneath a pineapple field, guarded by a bunch of army dudes with their machine guns. Uh-huh. So here comes this Air Force colonel. They knew who I was, but not in the gold hat and the leprechaun outfit with big plates of corned beef. And I had to make sure I didn't get shot before I was able to get into the. That was job one, right? (laughs) Yeah, I get down to my my guys on the midnight shift. But that was the story of of the St. Patrick's Day party and the colonel dressed up as a leprechaun. You know, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. When my father commissioned me, he gave me three pieces of advice, and I share these all the time. The first was stay focused on the job. Don't get caught up in office politics. Mm. The second was take care of your people and they will take care of you, which is what underlies everything I do. And the third was keep your sense of humor. Mm. All right. And those three tips are just they're 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 golden. Mm. Um, So I share them. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, your your father knew that sometimes it's easy for us to take ourselves too seriously. Right? Yeah, that's no good. And so we want to laugh at ourselves and that lightens the mood and creates that positive work culture that we're and talking it, about. Today. And it makes you human and yeah. it lets it lets the folks in the organization see you as human also. Mm. So we're back to that relational factor yeah. and, and being able to increase morale as you did certainly was uh, built on the back of your avid use of relationships and the way in which you pursued people and just getting to know them. Carla Bass is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Right to Influence is the book. Go get your copy today wherever fine books are sold online or in bookstores. Righttoinfluence.net is the website that you want to go to. Carla Bass, uh, Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guest what's one thing they can do today to begin to create a positive work culture. What's your one thing, Carla Bass? Learn how to write powerfully. And it's it's easy, but that opens so many doors. I mean, so from from your from your own immediate perspective, your own career, it helps you excel in the job. How? It gets people to sit up and take notice and deliver the results that you're trying to achieve, whether that's uh, professional recognition or business success or support for, for a worthy cause. It, it just opens all sorts of doors. And as far as taking care of your people, if you are able to submit them for those, those organizational awards, if you can write up your business as as uh, you know this is in the the top 10 business in the state you know that those kind of accolades again coming back to how do you attract people you can make your organization a winning organization and success begets success so learn how to leverage the written word and just everything falls into place Mm, that's an amazing one thing. Carla Bass, the book is Right to Influence, the website, righttoinfluence.net. I've learned a lot today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Can't wait for all of Work Positive Nation to grab your book and to discover your methodology. You know, there's there's one thing that I have on my homepage. I have, when, when COVID first hit, I wrote 
free ebooks on my webpage. One is Right to Win a Resume, Right to Win Performance Reviews, and Right to Win Grant Submissions. So those are those are there. All you have to do is click throw in a, your email. And you know that was my way of trying to help out people in what I thought were the three most problematical areas. Mm, thank you so much for your generosity and making that available to all of us. So go to writetoinfluence.net and you'll find those three free ebooks right there. And then go over to your favorite bookseller and pick up your own copy of Write to Influence so that you can get these amazing word sculpting tools. Carla, thank you so much for the gift of your time and wisdom today. Work Positive Nation is better because of our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Please share this podcast with your friends who are small business leaders so they can create a positive work culture that increases their productivity and profits. Get your free 15-point work positive checklist to help you attract top talent and reduce team turnover. Download this checklist at workpositive.today slash checklist. Remember, It pays to work positive.